Good morning. Welcome to Oakton. I invite you to worship with us today. I was buried beneath my shame. You call my name, 
great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has
I just thank you so much for the hope that we have in Jesus. While we were still yet sinners, it's before we ever could even thought of getting our act together. You sent Jesus out of your love to die for us. Thank you so much for your great love. Thank you so much for the grace that you pour out upon us. We aren't even realizing that that's what you're you're doing. Father, just thank you so much. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let it be Jesus. The first name that I call, let it be Jesus. My song inside the storm, I'll never need another for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. God, I breathe your name above everything. Let it be, let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. From the rising of the sun, let it be Jesus. When all is said and done, I'll never need another. I'll never need another. Jesus, there's no other for me to live is Christ. To live is Christ. God, I breathe your name above everything. Let it be, let it be Jesus. Let it be, let it be Jesus. Should I ever be abandoned? Should I ever be acclaimed? To live is Christ for me. To live is Christ. God, I breathe your name above everything. Let it be, let it be, Jesus. Let it be, let it be,
Should I ever be abandoned? Should I ever be acclaimed? Should I ever be surrounded by the fire and the flame? There's a name I will remember. There's a name I will proclaim. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be Jesus. To live is to be in Christ. And that's what the Lord has put on my heart today. God gave us Jesus. Then 50 days after the resurrection of him, Christ went back to be with the Lord. God gave us the Holy Ghost and then the church in that order. All so that Jesus could be Lord of our life. So that we could live for Christ. Uh, it's really hit me this week that the most important thing, the most activity in our life, or the most important activity in our life is Jesus. The most important thing in our life is the Holy Ghost. The most important thing in our life is the church. And we need to remember that at all times. The church is what I wanted to talk on today. And the church is the most important activity in our life. The church is the most important institution in this nation. And really, it's more important than most things that we do. Today, I want to read some scriptures that talk about the church. And while you're looking up these scriptures, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 20, verses 40 through 47 first. But welcome, Oakton online, and welcome, Oakton outside. We're glad you're with us today. We're glad you joined us today. Uh, God is definitely in the house, and it's neat to see how through the music that God is preparing us for a message today to live for Him and to walk in Him and all that we can. As we're reading these scriptures today, there's seven points that are actually, there's nine points and don't turn me off now because uh, they're not going to be very long, but, but I want to talk about nine things the early church did to be properly connected to Christ, to live for Christ, to, to be with Christ. And again, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit, but, but it took us to Christ. And so again, Acts 20 or Acts 2 Verses 40 through 47. Then P Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, 
Save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miracle signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and sharing everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now I want to jump over to Acts 4, 4, verses 32 through 37. And again, I'll look it up here so that I know that you have time to get there. But Acts 4, and I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today because that's what we base... uh, everything on is a word, right? I find out it's hard to look up scripture when you're talking. <laughs> but Peter, and again, Acts chapter four, thirty-two. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And grace, great grace, get that, great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostle Barnabas, which means sons of God, a Levite, a native from Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, you can see these scriptures are all relating to the church, the early church, because that's what we're talking about today, the church. Ephesians 5, 7, and 8, the Lord put this one on my heart. I actually woke with this one this morning. And, and couldn't shake it. So I'm going to go from Ephesians 5, verses 7 and 8. Then I'm going to jump down to 25 of Ephesians, excuse me, 5, 7 and 8. But Ephesians 5, 7, Therefore do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. And then let's jump down to verse 25. And again from Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And then the last one I want to read is from Matthew 16 verses 18 through 19. And again, Matthew 16 verses 18 through 19. And this is probably familiar to y'all. But then I tell you, 
You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The church. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the church. Uh, Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, and for all that he gave of himself. Father, of giving the Holy Spirit later and then the church, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done to, to make a relationship between us and you. Father, you love us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and us, Father, we're one and you love us. And Father, you want to know all there is to know about us. And Father, you have established the church for us to come together and just worship you and to learn more about you, but Lord, to also be a refuge and a, and a safe place for not only us, Lord, but people that need you. And Father, as we study about the church and talk about the church, Father, let us realize who we are in you, the church. And Father, let us operate the way you called the church to operate. And Father, today we just come against uh, any distractions that would cause us to be preoccupied with what's going on around us. Father, we speak peace during the storm. Father, the physical storm, but Father, the, the, the spiritual storms that some may be going through. Father, we just speak peace to them. Father, if there'd be anyone out there today that does not know you, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would convict them and draw them to you and that they'd be saved today. Father, again, those that need a touch on their life, Lord, be a safety and a refuge for them, a stronghold, a shelter. But Father, we love you today and for all that you've done for us. Father, uh, we could never imagine what you've done for us and comprehend how much you love us. But we thank you for that today. We thank you for all that you've done, that you are God above all gods, that there's no other God before you. You're just plain awesome. In Jesus' name, we pray. Today, again, we're talking about the church. At Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was given and a result of the move of the Holy Spirit, the church was established. The Holy Spirit saw Satan a stronghold in many places across the world, in our case, Lamar. So he planted a church, Oakton, to minister in that region. I want us to get a hold of the, that why God sent the Holy Spirit and why God sent the church is to be a stronghold in the areas that we're in so that we can tell others about Christ, that we can make Christ their refuge, their stronghold, their safe place. As Jesus told Peter, on this rock, you, the people, I will build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Again, God chose to build the church open because he saw a need in this community. That need is people need a refuge. Refuge means shelter. It means protection. It means safety. People need a safe house to come to. I'm reminded of the tornado warning we had last week. And I came up and opened the doors. And the Lord reminded me that, that, that I didn't feel the need to come up here. 
because I knew the Lord had me where I was at. But as we opened the doors of the church to let people in, the Lord reminded me the church is a safe place, a shelter for those in the storm. And that means the physical storms, that means the spiritual storms. I want to remind us before Christ, we all were lost. I was lost at one time before Christ. Before I became a partner with him, I lived in darkness and I needed a shelter, a protection. I needed Christ. As Joel said in the service earlier today, we don't know how much that, that, that it may have been our prayer before, but he made a comment that we just take for granted our, our salvation and what you've done for us, Lord. But Father, we were lost and you came for us. And that's what the church should be about. When people are lost, we should take them Christ, our refuge, our shelter, and share it with them. I want to share from Ephesians again today as we were talking earlier in Ephesians 7 8. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For all one time we're in darkness, but now you're in light. And the reason I wanted to read that is to confirm we were all lost at one time. But like Christ is the refuge for the church, we need to bring people. The, Christ gave the responsibility to husbands to, to love their wives. He gave the responsibility to the church to love the people as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wife as you love yourself and, gave, and give yourself up for her. The church should love the people and be willing to give themselves up for the people that Christ may sanctify the church and other people having cleansed her by the washing of the water through the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or such thing that she might be holy without blemish god has called us to bring people to christ to disciple them and we'll get into that later to to show them the way that's what the church was referred to a lot back in the day was the way because it was established to show people the way. In Christ, the church is powerful. And sometimes I don't think we live powerful. We take it for granted, as we earlier said. But Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Prevail means prove more powerful than an opposing force. In other words, the church is victorious. The church will win. The church will triumph when they have their eyes on Jesus. Hell has no power over the church. Hell cannot stop the believer, nor can it stop the church when we're focused in on Christ. Jesus said, build my church. Construct something large by putting parts of materials together. Put up a symbol, set up, rise up is the definition of build. The church, we are building something together and it's the kingdom of God. It's bigger than what we are. It's God's vision and it grows and continues to grow. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he left us the Holy Spirit. And when that Holy Spirit moves through us, as we see in the scripture today, 3,000 were saved. And then five, and then every day people were being saved. Because the church was sent to construct, to build up, to put together, to assemble, to rise up the people of God. 
Jesus empowered the church to not only to be a safety place, but be a refuge and all those things, but to make a difference in the community. Jesus empowered the church to rule and govern his kingdom and the earth. The Aramaic translation of the word church is the joint of, to meet and to come. The Greek translation of the church is called out ones, legislative assembly or selected ones. And again, and I, the Lord said, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God has given us the authority to make a difference in our communities. God placed the church, wherever you may be, the church, he's placed you in the community to be a refuge, to be a shelter, to be a stronghold, but also to lead people to Christ in the the, the government and the different places in the community. It's a big deal. But as we look at all this stuff today, we think, how can we do that? You know, man, that's a big load, Pastor. How can we do that? In nine ways that the church, the early church in Acts, connected to God so that they could be effective in their work. And the first thing, I just couldn't resist, but in verse 40, in Acts 2, 40, it says the preacher must preach a long time. So I have proof that it's okay to preach a long time. Is that all right, Kyle? Is that good? We're good. Kyle said we're good. He has to say that. But, but we kid about that. But we need to allow God on Sundays to minister to us and not put time restrictions on him. And allow the Holy Spirit to minister during church and through church how that he sees fit. The second thing, and, and again, the most important thing, is that, that we need to build the church on Christ, the cornerstone. And Ephesians 2.20 says that the church, or the, we need to start over, the church refers to himself as a cornerstone. In other words, Jesus refer, refers to himself as a cornerstone in Matthew 21.42, and again in Acts 4.11. And then Peter refers to Jesus as a cornerstone. And then Paul says this, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself became the cornerstone. The church must be built on Jesus. Jesus has to be the most important thing about everything. And then everything else will fall together. In other words, Jesus first, the Holy Ghost, and then the church. Second thing I see here was fellowship. Fellowship is being mutually linked to the church. Every believer was faithfully devoted to fellowship. We see that in Acts 2.42. They were one body, Acts 2.44. They were mutually linked through communion. And and I just thought I would share communion as an example today on how that we were mutually, mutually linked through communion. Communion reminds us that what Christ done They were devoted to what Christ had done in their life, that Christ had forgiven them of their past, their present, and their future sins. That Christ was with the church and in the church yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave us nor forsake us. By his Holy Spirit, he will be with us all the time. He reminds us of our salvation, our baptism. Again, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Times that we experienced the Holy Ghost. 
So the fellowship reminds us and, and leads us into deeper relationship with Christ. The fellowship points us to Christ. I remember when my son got a promotion a few months ago that I was just kidding with him. And I said, hey, I said, uh, what do you attribute or what do you give uh, credit to that brought you to this place today? And he started naming people. And, and again, I didn't have this in my notes, but I know he mentioned Gary Dumb. I know he mentioned Justin. I know he mentioned Aaron Talbot, which was his youth pastor. I know he mentioned several people in this body, the fellowship. But almost 99% of the people that he said affected his life were in the fellowship of Oakton Church. And it helped him be the man that he's becoming. And that's what the fellowship is, is, is coming together and being centered on Christ and remembering Christ and, and ministering Christ through each other. But we've seen through this time off how important the fellowship is and how important church is. And, and we're probably not taking it as for granted as we used to. In other words, the fellowship. Next week, we're going to be meeting back here May 10th at 10. We need the church. It's time to come home. Oakland will be meeting inside the sanctuary next week, May 10th at 10. We're going to have the foyer set up outside for those that, that want to sit in that area can. We're going to be doing Oakton outside and Oakton online for those that, that are just not comfortable yet. But, but we need the church. However way we do that, meeting together in this body, I think is the most important thing. We need to get back together. The, th the third thing here is the truth. Or I guess it's a fourth thing. The truth of who Christ is, Matthew 16, 18. They were faithfully devoted to the word. Every believer was faithfully devoted to the following and the teaching of the apostles, Acts 2, 42. The church was disciplined and nourished in the word taught by the apostles, some of which became the New Testaments that we know today. Do we ever think about it that way? The church lived out what we read in this Bible. We need to live out what we read in this Bible. You know, we need to train the word and teach the word, and I call it discipleship 101. We need to train new converts to run from the old and turn from the old and to stop sinning. In other words, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. But we need to press in to the word as we read from Ephesians today because it cleanses us through the shine of pure water and the word of God. The word, when we read it, we think, aha, yeah, thank you, Lord. I, I don't need to be doing that. And when we stop doing that thing, it, it, it changes us. It makes us a better person. Or we're needing confirmation for something in our life. And, and we go to the Word, and the Word says this, and we're thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing me and showing me the way to go. We should use the Word to preach. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy says in verse, or 2 Timothy 4 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, preach the word. We need to preach the word. Why? Be ready in season and out of season because the word reproves, rebukes, exhorts with complete patience and teaching. We need to preach the word. Teaching them to tell others will strengthen the church in the word. 
Then how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Romans 10, 15. Landon, when you text me earlier today and you asked me about my feet, I'm like, did he read my sermon notes today? But we need to use our feet and go and preach the gospel, the word. So we use the word to keep us from sinning and and help us to stay on the right path. We use the word to teach us and to lead us and guide and direct us. We preach the word to others to help them. And then we go out to the world and preach the word. The word is very important today. The fifth thing is prayer. And a lot of times, guys, we've been hammering prayer. But are we doing it? We've been hammering word. Are we doing it? But again, every believer was faithfully devoted to prayer. Where there is much prayer, there is much activity in the Holy Spirit. As I was sharing Wednesday nights, Jews didn't stop being Jewish when they believed in Jesus. They realized Jesus fulfilled the law and and pursued him even with a greater freshness and enthusiasm. When we see this enthusiasm in the prayer, like that, that they went out and they prayed three times a day. They prayed the third hour at 9 a.m., the sixth hour at noon, and the, t- and the ninth hour at 3 p.m. And things happen when they pray. We need to be people of prayer. When they pr- prayed Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the church was given. When they were going to the temple, the place of prayer, Peter and John were going there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They met the lame man. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, the word I give to you. Rise up and walk. When we're praying, things will happen in our life. We see in the scripture today that they worship together each day. There was a deep sense of awe, and there was not a needy person among them. That's what happens when we pray. We're going to be in awe, and there's not going to be a needy person amongst us. We should be making our life a, a way of prayer. Then we read the scripture today that we read about Christ, or that Christ said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We take time to bind up the storms that are coming in that may prevent this satellite to come out, going out. We bind this pandemic. I believe this pandemic was sent from Satan because Christ didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan did. Christ came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Satan is trying to divide the church through this pandemic. For the church to continue being a powerhouse for Jesus, we must bind up this attack, anything that divides us, and stay loyal to the church. And again, I challenge you, come home May 10th at 10 on Mother's Day. A lot of you may think that I've been kind of heavy to hear or pretty straightforward with this today, but we've honored the government, their request, and, and what we should do and not do. But I believe it's the time to come home. I believe it's the time that the church does their thing. And I want you to come out and be with us on that. Then we say the bind up, but what do we need to loose? What do we need to loose in our lives? There's many things that we need to bind up in our life, but what do we need to loose in our life? And the most important thing that we can loose in our life is the Holy Spirit. 
The sixth thing I saw in the scripture, and this was from Acts 4.33, but we're to share our powerful testimonies. If you're a believer today, you have a powerful testimony. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all, Acts 4.33. We see a move of the Holy Spirit came from the, the testimony of Peter and those sharing that day. Salvation comes from us sharing our testimony. Save yourself from this crooked generation. Salvation comes when we share our testimony. I see the supernatural giving also. Number seven. In Acts 4, 34 through 35, there was not a greedy person among them. For as many were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. There was supernatural giving. The early church did not limit the Holy Spirit by their giving. They gave supernaturally, above tithing. As a result, there was no needy person among them. The financial status of the church wasn't the disciples or pastors' responsibility. It was the church's. And the church gave generously. Many watching today, many sitting in here today can give supernaturally. And I challenge you to do that more than ever. Sean Mayberry, our finance chair, challenged us a few weeks ago that if you still have your jobs and are blessed with your jobs, if, if financially you're still doing okay, then maybe you give that government stimulus check that we all got to the church. Why not? Number eight, supernatural calling to the ministry. We see Barnabas, thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostle, uh, called by the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas sold his property and was called into the, into the ministry. Sometimes it's that, just that way. I can remember that, that the calling of God was so strong on me that I couldn't get in the ministries quick enough. It didn't matter what I did. There was just a supernatural calling on my life. And I believe there's people out there watching today that have that supernatural calling on your life. That God is pulling at you and you can't get satisfied in nothing else but preaching the gospel. I remember Jim, when he came to work, he made the comment when he went to be pastor on staff, he made the comment, I should have done this several years ago because that's when he found peace is when he was operating in the calling and the ministry that the Lord called him to. I was blessed because Oakton has always been good that way. God has always raised up people supernaturally into callings and the district superintendent called me the other day and she was going, man, this, this district, Oakton's had such impact on this district. And, and to be honest with you, I said, well, we've been kind of, last year or so has been pretty tough. And she goes, well, man, Oakton has a huge impact on this district. I'm just overwhelmed with that. And I was trying to figure out what she was talking about. 
And she started naming those that went from Oakton into the ministry that are ministering in her district. Eric and Debbie England, Pam and Wayne Coble. Hey, Pam and Wayne, I know you're watching today. And I've forgotten some. But people has been put out into the ministry around here supernaturally. And it affects and it changed lives. Some of you today may be receiving that calling. The last thing I want to share with you today is the revelation. And we've been hitting that a lot today in this last month. If, if we take time out, if we pray, if we open the word of God up, the Holy Spirit's going to move on us and give us a revelation. Remember last week, Landon and the turkey call? Uh, God was wanting to do this. He's wanting to reveal things to us. A revelation is an act of revealing or communicating divine truth. Something revealed by God to man. Concealment is covering up the things of God is the opposite. So are we allowing God to give us revelation or are we stepping back and trying to conceal things? And the reason that, that I'm getting, my mind's running with me right now, but it reminded me of yesterday, revelation. And, and the point I'm trying to make here is that that God's trying to give us revelation for new things. Jesus doesn't want us to go back to the normal when we come back together. He wants us to be seeking new revelation, new opportunities to minister to him more than ever. Yesterday, I went fishing with my family, and nobody was catching anything. And so my wife got kind of flustered, so she went to another side of the lake, and she caught three fish immediately. So like normal people, Amy and I moved to her spot. Isn't that what you do? When they're putting a worm on the hook or rebaiting, you go take their spot. Well, Karen just moved to a new place and immediately caught three or four more fish. So like normal people, Amy and I went over and took that spot while she was baiting her hook, putting the fish up. Well, it didn't bother Karen. She moved to another spot. And, and this went on all day. At the end of the day, Karen had caught like 12 fish, one of them being a 29-inch channel catfish weighing 15 pounds. Amy caught one. We were interceding and praying to God because we didn't want to go home without our little girl catching a fish. And so we prayed, and the last cast that Amy made, she caught a fish this long. And we, we, we even kept it, inflated out just to make her feel good. But I only caught two fish, or really three. I put one back. So we see that Karen, she didn't do things the normal way. She was seeking out new ways, revelation of doing things. And when she did that, she was blessed with twice as many fish. And that's what I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to me through this revelation. We've had time off. And we, we got time to be with the Lord and, and time to seek him to, to put things back in perspective, to put God first on our life. And, and we shouldn't want to go back to the normal, nor should we want to go back to a church of normal. We need to be seeking Christ for new revelation, be seeking revelation from the Holy Ghost to, to speak into us so that why we can be more effective to catch more fish. That we can lead the community. I've often said that, and I probably shouldn't say this live, that Oakton will start things and then everybody else will start doing the same thing. We need to continue starting new things 
Because we want to win more people to Jesus Christ. Jesus was never normal. He was always seeking new revelation to God. And I don't mean that in a tearing down way. But was it it normal to be born of a virgin? That wasn't a normal thing. Was it normal to hang on a cross because you love somebody? No, you send them candy and cookies. It wasn't normal to hang on a cross to show somebody you loved them. Jesus rose from the dead. Was that normal? Actually, it's going to be normal. It is normal for the believer. It's normal for me, but that wasn't a normal thing. Is it normal how people act in the Holy Ghost? Is that normal? You know, we we hear it all the time. Oh, there they go, shouting and raising their hands and praising God. That's That's just almost not normal anymore in the church, and it should be the praising God. And I think about a Jericho march. I mean, a lot of you probably don't even know what a Jericho march is. But I can remember the power of the Holy Spirit moving so much that the pastor would take off and the people would start following him and they would do a Jericho march around the church, praising God. Man, God forbid we do a Jericho march around this church today, amen? Let's not get back to the normal. Let's seek the Holy Ghost and see what he's trying to do in our lives. Let's look towards new revelation. Have you ever laid on the hands on the people that were in the hospital expecting them to get up? Think about that. When you pray for somebody on the prayer chain, do you expect them to be healed? That's not the norm today. People just pray and, and cover, say a prayer over them. God will do what God wants to do. God's already done what he wanted to do. He put his son on the cross that by his stripes you would be healed. When we lay our hands on somebody, do we believe that they're going to get up and walk out of that hospital with us? Is that the new norm? Or the old norm? Well, I prayed for them. It's up to God now. What about the Bible? It's not normal today. Oh, you're one of them Bible thumpers? We still go back to the norm. Let's look for a new revelation through the Word of God because it's active and it's alive and it's powerful. The Lord showed me the other day, and I'd never even thought about it. It's an easy thing to see that the normal for the Jews and Jesus was Hebrew. The Old Testament was Hebrew. But when the New Testament was wrote, it was written in the Greek. The Greek were the people that oppressed the Jews, the people that killed Christ. The people that that hung him on the cross. And that's what Christ, by the Holy Ghost, had him write the Bible in Greek. It was a new thing. They didn't go back to the normal. They went to a new thing. Why? Because Jesus wanted to save the Romans that crucified him. Jesus wanted to save me, the Gentile, many years from now. Because he loved us. Jesus wasn't normal. He was always looking for new revelation. Are we looking for a revelation for Christ? The new. When we meet again, May 10th at 10, let us not go back to normal. But seek God for new revelation. And let this be the church that God's called us to be. One revelation I believe the Lord is showing me that we need to do. The first thing is let us never 
take church for granted again. There is nothing more important than church. The Bible said in Hebrews 10, 25, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have, have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Again, Hebrews 10, 25. Let us make the church that top priority in our lives. Again, the church is Jesus, the cornerstone. So that's our top priority. In other words, my critics may say, oh, he's putting the church above Jesus. No, that's the cornerstone of the church. The Holy Ghost was given to the church. All those things are important. The second thing is this time thing. The second revelation, I believe the Lord is again pounding at me that we must make time for God to give us his revelation We must take time, slow down to hear from him. As I was studying this, Joyce Meyer came on and said, slowing down is the key from hearing from God. I was getting ready to go up outside and and to finish working on the sermon and and Karen had turned Joyce Meyer on and I turned around and sat back down because it's exactly what I was working on. She said, slowing down is the key to hearing from God. Isn't that what I just told us to? Maybe the Holy Spirit today is trying to tell us that we need to slow down so that we can hear from God. Why? Because God promises to speak to us. So that means he is speaking to us. So if we're not hearing, it's because we're not taking time or slowing down. Isaiah 42, 16 says, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, 21, And your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, you're going to hear him. So if we're not hearing from God, maybe we need to slow down, make time, for the Holy Spirit to speak to us because God's speaking at all times. If the praise team would come forward today, we discussed nine ways the early church broke the norm, if you will. Nine ways they established the church. Nine things they did that we should do. But our kryptonite is when we do the opposite. Our kryptonite to the believer is when we go back to that norm. And again, as we go over these nine points here today, when we go in for a time of preaching too long to preaching short or not at all. In other words, pastors, church, we need to always bring a word and always be bringing Christ's revelation to the church, no matter how long or how short it is. The second thing is we need to remember that Christ is the cornerstone. Our kryptonite is that he's not, that something else is our cornerstone. Maybe we depend on our spouse too much or our job too much. Maybe that cornerstone should be Jesus Christ. What about fellowship? We talked about how important fellowship is. Well, the opposite of that in our kryptonite is alienation. In other words, opposite of fellowship. 
staying home in a car or, or, or staying away from people. The fourth thing, standing on the word, the truth. The opposite is not standing on the word, the truth. The opposite is adjusting God's word to fit our lifestyle instead of adjusting our lifestyle to fit God's word. Praying. That's a good thing. Our kryptonite is not praying. Sharing our testimony. Our kryptonite is withholding our testimony. You know how much better you feel after you shared your testimony to somebody? Man, it strengthens me. What about supernatural giving? Your kryptonite is not even giving at all, not giving your tithes. Revelation. Man, that's what we need is revelation. But our kryptonite is concealment, cover-up. The Lord really hit me that just to kind of put things in perspective. When we're doing the opposite of what church should be or God should be in our lives, our lives will be a wreck. If you're only one-third involved in the church, your life will only be two-thirds messed up. If you're only half involved in church, maybe your life will only be half messed up. If you're two-thirds involved in the church, your life will only be a third messed up. If you're sold out to the church, your life will not be messed up at all. Did you ever think about it that way? But I don't need to go to church. You know, pastor, everything's good for me. Well, I'm a firm believer that if, if things aren't hitting your life, that you're probably not where you need to be. In other words, I'm not saying that I don't go through things. I'm not saying that I'm not attacked. I am, believe me. I've been attacked this whole sermon today. But I know that I keep pressing into Jesus. He's going to get me through. And that's the difference. When we don't realize that we can press into Jesus and he's going to bring us through, that's when our life gets messed up, when we start counting on other things. So today, the praise team is going to sing a song. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, Maybe you need to do that today. Or not maybe, you should do that today. That's the only way you're going to find peace is when you give Jesus Christ your life. That's the only way I ever found peace is when I gave Jesus my life. If you really want God to move in your life more than ever, then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't done that today, I challenge you to do that. It turned my life upside down. I thought I knew everything I needed to know about the things of God. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was just like a whole new realm. But we need Jesus in our life more than anything. I've shared you the nine ways to do that today through the church. But the same things will get you closer to God in your personal life as well. But we need him today. We need Jesus, the cornerstone, more than anything. So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And, Father, we just ask again as you minister to your people and have ministered to your people today. And, and guys, anybody listening, God's people, because Jesus died for everybody. God desires that all men would be saved, women be saved, and come into knowledge and understanding of him. 
The church is just the believers, the ones that did that. The ones that accepted the safety and the refuge of the Lord. But God loves you more than anything. And so, Father, those that need to choose you today, Lord, nudge them. Let them choose you today. Father, those that need to be refilled or refreshed in your Holy Ghost, Lord, we ask that they are today. Lord, those that are seeking you, Lord, we ask that you minister to them. Father, those that are seeking deliverance over sin and sickness, Lord, we know by your stripes it's been taken care of. But Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit just move across this body today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise team.
What an appropriate song. When he enters the room, it changes things. Do we only want to hear his voice? Do we only want to hang on every word that he speaks? That's what will change things in our life, pressing into him. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, We love you. Again, come back May 10th at 10 a.m. Catch the 10 a.m. We're going to be meeting inside, outside, and online. And we're looking forward to seeing all of you. Also, today at 1030, we'll be having Adventure Kids. And then followed by the Oakland Carthage uh, service at 11 in Spanish. But feel free to join us. And I encourage you to join all of those. Father, we thank you for your presence that's in the house today. Father, we thank you for your love and the way it changes and it makes us the way you want us to be. And Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, the church. Father, all the things that you've given us, Lord, to grow strong in you. And Lord, again, we ask that you're with everybody that's out there and listening and watching. And and Father, again, just touch their lives. And Father, cause them to seek you more than ever in Jesus' name. And Father, when we come back, Father, we want a move of your spirit like never before. And Father, we're praying for it in advance and agreeing for it in advance. And Father, we just thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen.